Good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand. Praise the Lord. I'm glad that I do belong unto one that cares about me, aren't you? It's, it's, it's never alone, amen? Now I'm glad that the Word of God reminds us in that song in which Abigail sung that I'm thankful that the Holy Scripture says that we can cast our cares upon one that what? Cares for us, amen? Woo! Ain't it good to be cared for, amen? Some folk don't live like that. Some folk don't believe that, amen? But he cares about us and every part of our life, amen? When you think about God and you think about all that goes on, amen, and, and, and it's hard sometimes even by faith to be able to wrap our minds around it because we're busy people, Amen? And sometimes it's hard for me to get everything done. In fact, the older I get, most of the time I go to bed at night and do some things still to do. And I just think, well, they can wait till tomorrow. Amen. And you know, God never does that. Amen. The Bible says that He so orders our days. Amen. Our steps. Our paths. Amen. Perfectly ordained day after day after day after day. Amen. And he accomplishes and does all that he aims to do. Amen. Isn't that something? And to think that in the midst of all of that, as little old you and little old me, amen, in all that we have, and he knows all about us. Amen? And he cares about us. Not a single sparrow falls to the ground. Hallelujah. And Jesus said, if he cares for them, how much more shall he care for you? I'm cared for. I'm well cared for. Amen? I'm cared for all the way through eternity. Amen? Hallelujah, get the Lord a hand. Ain't that good? And then to be able to come to the house of the Lord and sing about heaven. Whew. I, I asked them to sing that this morning. In fact, we sung it before some of you got here or while some of you were coming in. And, and, and it's been on my heart, been on my mind for a while. Because for the past several weeks, we've been preaching on the simple salvation of God. And I really enjoyed preaching. And I have made it a, a purpose to try to be and try to keep every sermon to where even a child could understand. Amen? Because that is the salvation of our Lord. Amen? You know, sometimes we, we lose our way a little bit. Sometimes, you know, we've been in church a long time. We, we know the word and we know the terminology. Amen? But you have to realize that a lot of folks weren't raised up in church like you were raised up in church. A lot of folk never even been in church. They don't know what being saved is. They don't even know how they got lost. And if you got the chance to listen Wednesday night, we, we tried to answer that. How did you get lost to start with? Amen. 
But through preaching those, it has excited me. It has, in fact, it has ignited me to think about heaven. And all that God's marvelous salvation has made available and made possible for all people, for all sinners, including myself. And I have just been enjoying myself in the Holy Scriptures for the past few weeks kind of tying in God's salvation and heaven. God's salvation and heaven. Throughout the Word of God, from Genesis to Revelation, Old Testament saints, New Testament saints preach about, prophesy about, and wrote about this place called heaven. Amen? Now I will admit, when I was a much younger man, in fact, I, I had the privilege last night, I, I called Geneva Brown, we missed some of our folks, that, that feels best that, that they still stay home. They know right or wrong, I continue to say that. Folks have to do what they feel like is best for them. And I love them just the same. I love them just the same. And I assured her that I love her just the same. But you all know Geneva. Geneva was recalling she knew exactly when I came to pastor here. Because she linked it to a wedding in her family that, you know, that, that was the very first wedding and we got to talking about that and I, I, I remember how nervous I was. Oh, I was just, whoo, I was tore up. I, I mean tore up. I still get really nervous at weddings, but I was tore up in that first one. And I'll never forget that we had prepared for the exchanging of the rings. And for some reason, that part of the ceremony makes me most nervous. Amen. And I'll never forget reaching for that ring in my hand was like that. And no matter what I told it, it wouldn't quit. And the best man realized it. And he helped that thing out there, boys, and I mean he helped her out there good until he made sure I had firm grip on that ring. We didn't want rolling around that round, you know, they rolled around. Still get nervous. But I have come to realize that wedding ceremonies are no different than when I can't get up to preach. It's all of the Lord. It's all of the Lord. So I've, I've learned to get comfortable in that. But heaven, heaven. The older I get, the more I think about heaven. Amen. My day of redemption draweth nigh. Isn't that what the book says? Isn't that what the apostle says? Amen. It may have been nigh when I was young, I just failed to realize it. Amen. Until, of course, the heart attacks happened, and I kind of got woke up that I could leave this world anymore. But one thing is for sure. That time is coming. That time is coming. As a preacher, I've often been able to 
talked with folks about heaven and the hereafter. I've also had the privilege of being able to talk with folks and be able to share not only heaven, but the reality of hell and to be able to share with folks the reality of the hereafter. I don't know that sometimes when even we as a church people, because when we sing about heaven and we preach about heaven, I don't think that we get as excited, Earl, as we ought to get. Church ought to be a, in my opinion, and according to the authority of God's word, amen, I, I think worship ought to be a little, a little more vocal. I think the children of God and the redeemed of the Lord ought to say so. Amen. And when you talk about heaven and all that the Lord has in store for us in heaven and all that the scriptures say about heaven, my goodness, we ought to explode. Amen. If we truly believe and understand that's our home and that's where we're going, amen. I'm glad the Bible supplies the evidence, amen. One of the greatest things in the scriptures that, that for me, you know, listen, I, I was, you know, I wasn't the smartest guy, still not the smartest guy, but I wanted to know what I could know without being there. I haven't had Paul's experience where I was caught up, whether in the body or out of the body, into the third heaven. I don't know if any of you have, but I, I know I haven't had such an experience. But he did, and he wrote about it. John was called up to come up hither when he gave for us and was revealed to him that book we call Revelation. When the Lord called him up in spirit and said, I got some things to show you. I got some things to reveal. And old John wrote and did the best he could because remember, the Apostle Paul said it was just joy unspeakable. As bright and as intelligent a mind as the Apostle had, Alan, he couldn't find words to describe what he saw. Woo! I like that. John wrote in greater detail. But I'll tell you one of the things that really summed it up for me. And one of the things that still sums it up, because I've been preaching, but I'm going to make this connection. Those disciples, those poor, poor disciples that followed Jesus for three and a half years in public ministry. And when Jesus rode into Jerusalem that final time, and Jesus told those disciples, those very disciples that were closer and dearer in their hearts to Jesus than anybody else in the land. And Jesus said, you will become offended in me. And you remember Peter? Peter said, oh no, they might, they might fail you, Lord, but not. I'm, I, I'm your man. I'm your man. 
I'm with you to the death. And we all know what happened. He denied the Lord three times. When Jesus was crucified, buried, and resurrected, those disciples, along not just them, but along with others, that were disciples and followers of Jesus, were hiding, hiding, scared for their life, scared that they would find them and do the same thing to them. Hiding. You ever been afraid? Really afraid? They were scared for their lives in that upper room. Door shut. Door shut terrified of what might happen until, remember, Jesus suddenly appeared. He didn't knock on the door. He didn't even open the door. He just appeared. Amen? And after witnessing the resurrected body of Jesus Christ, amen, after Eyes seeing. Remember, he invited Thomas to come over. He said, you know, come on over. Doubt in Thomas, you come on over. And thrust your hand into my side that was pierced. And touch the nail-scarred hand. And seeing, believing. Remember? And Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Those frightened, scared, terrified men became so convinced in the power and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that they weren't afraid anymore. They weren't afraid anymore. And after the power of the Holy Ghost came upon them, the very thing that they were hiding and afraid of, they ended up giving anyway. Amen? They gave their life for the preaching of the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? Now again, I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but that tells me that they're either crazy or convinced. Amen? They were convinced, persuaded. Amen? And they went about preaching the good news of Jesus Christ until they were either crucified and Peter crucified upside down or like John, they was cast on the Isle of Patmos to spend the rest of their life out there where they didn't have anybody to preach to and God just gave them the book of Revelation. Amen? Get the Lord a hand. Hallelujah. Proof. Proof, evidence that we have. I preach to you that not only do we have those scriptural accounts and the scriptural evidence, but we also have within us the presence of the Holy Spirit that the Bible says bears witness with our spirit 
that we are the children of God. Amen? Continues to encourage me along the way. Now, I've shared that and preached on that. Bringing us along. All the way to heaven. Bringing us along. Bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, the Holy Spirit's not doing that to disappoint me when the day comes. Amen? And the Holy Spirit's not doing that for you to disappoint you when the day comes. Amen? Stand with me if we read the Word together, and I'll get to preaching in a minute. But I, I'm sharing with you today some Scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. As the apostle was writing to that church, and the apostle was assuring them of our heavenly dwelling. Did you hear what I said? Our heavenly dwelling. The apostle writes to the church beginning in verse 1 of chapter 5. And he says this, he says, for we know. We're not wondering, we're not unsure, we're not wavering. No, the apostle says, for we know. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle. Paul is referring to present body, to present dwelling place to his present residence, if you will. Amen? Look this way. You and I have an earthly house. God gave it to us. Amen? This beautiful thing you see standing up here. is an earthly house that God gave to me. Amen? Paul said, listen, that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were what? Dissolved. Dissolved. This earthly house wasn't created or made to live forever. Amen? And the older we get, the more we realize that. No doubt about it. But the truth of the matter is, the very moment you were born, your earthly house began dissolving. Amen? The very moment that you came into this world, you began dissolving until one day you ultimately dissolve. Amen? But the apostle says, there's good news beyond that. He says, listen, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God. <laughs> Chuck, I have another house. You ain't seen it yet. Amen, but I have another house. And all the children of God have another house, another building of God, and he says, a house not made with hands 
the difference between this house and the present house is that house is eternal in the heavens. Woo, get the Lord a hand. That's just good preaching out of class. This house, this building of God is not made with hands and is eternal in the heavens. For the apostle says, for in this we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. True testimony. True testimony. You know, fellowship is a wonderful thing and getting together with brothers and sisters in Christ and sitting down and, and talking with each other, it's a wonderful thing. Amen. You know? And I enjoy it. I enjoy through the years of, of all the conversations that I've been blessed to have with brothers and sisters in the family of God. Amen. Most of the time, Blaine, when I talk to folk, you know, we, we talk about things going on, sports, weather, world events, things like that. Sometimes we, we talk about, get a little more personal if, if things are going on and me being a preacher and a pastor and so forth, it gets a little more personal sometimes. But seldom, if ever, do we talk about our eternal house. Amen? When the last time you had a conversation about your eternal house? With anybody. You know when I get to talk to folks about their eternal house? Is when they know it's time. And the more and more they slip into that time, the more and more they talk about it. Don't you think that's the way God intended it to be? Amen. You see, when I go to the hospital, and I miss that, that's part of the ministry that I am greatly missing today. Because that's when folks wanted to talk, when they knew, when the doctor had told them. And they knew that time was fastly approaching. And they wanted to talk. They didn't care about politics. They didn't care what happened in sports. They didn't care about current events. They just wanted to talk about their heavenly home. Amen? The apostles said that if we groan in this life earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened. Not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon. That mortality might be swallowed up of life. 
Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. You see, I think that's spiritual conversation. I think that's Holy Spirit conversation. And the closer the time comes, the more spiritual the conversation. Amen? Get the Lord a hand, that's good news. I hope somebody comes to see me when that time so I can talk about my heavenly home. Amen? <laughs> when that time comes. Now notice what he says. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. Amen? For we walk by faith, not by sight. But he says in verse 8, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Give the Lord a hand. Amen. You may be seated. What tremendous verses of scriptures inspired by the Holy Ghost and from the pen of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle speaks about clearly to you and to me and to the church about the most important subject. And though we may not talk about it very often, though we may not think about it as often as we should, it's still a subject that is dear and precious to our heart, isn't it? Amen. And even though we may not strike up conversations with one another about it, we do think about it. Don't we think about it? Amen. And perhaps, true, the older we get, perhaps the more we think about it because we, I guess, get hit more with the reality of it. But aren't we thankful? Aren't we thankful for what the Scriptures gives to us and what the Scriptures reveal to us and what truth and evidence we have as the children of God. Aren't you thankful for that? I wouldn't know, you would know, how to communicate to folks and talk to folks without that truth. Amen? Without that being true. Can you imagine trying to do any funeral? Amen. Can you imagine trying to comfort any family? Without the absolute truth of the Word of God and the promises that it makes unto every believer. Amen. The apostle says again in verse 8, he says, For we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. This wasn't the only time that Paul had this upon his heart. This wasn't the only time that Paul shared this most important truth. Uh, he also shared it in the book of Philippians chapter 1 and verse 23. And by the way, he loved the Philippian believers. He, he loved the church in Philippi. And he wrote to them and said this in verse 23. He says, For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. 
Amen. Paul was making it clear. Paul was removing any doubt that as far as himself and as far as himself as a believer and as a child of God, he was ready. In fact, he was willing to be absent from this body to go and be present with the Lord. I don't know about you folks, but that speaks volumes to me. I don't know that any of us would be so willing and be so ready. Amen? That has to mean something. That has to say something. Amen? And I've given that some thought. I've given that some consideration through the years, really, but especially over the past few weeks. I enjoy who I am. I enjoy what the Lord has given me. I enjoy my family. I enjoy my church. I enjoy what the Lord's called and gave me to do. I, I, I really, I enjoy. Amen? I'm not happy all the time, but I am thankful and I enjoy and appreciate the things that the Lord has given me. Amen? I'm blessed. We're all blessed. Amen? We're all blessed. There's no way that I can take my life and compare it to the life of the Apostle Paul. I didn't have his life. I didn't encounter the sufferings and the persecutions and the afflictions that he encountered on a daily basis. I get it. There's a fight within us. There is a desire within us and it's within some more than others. That's the reason so many people exercise and, and they're a lot more stricter about their diets and what they put into their bodies and that type of thing. Amen, I get that. I'm not making fun of any of that or light of any of that, so don't, don't get upset with me, amen. You do you, amen, I'm going to do me. But I believe that the apostle was honest and very sincere about what he said. I believe he meant it when he said, I'm in a strait. I'm in a conflict. I'm in a war and a battle. That there's a real desire within me to depart and to be with my Christ. To be with my Lord and Savior. I've preached a lot of funerals. I'm thankful. I've preached a lot of your loved ones' funerals. I've preached some of my own loved ones' funerals. As they departed, as they left this body, 
and I've lived in the reality of those and I've lived in the reality of, of what I've shared from family to family and, and the reality of what I've shared within my own family. This same truth that the apostle is writing about. And for you and I, we really have to answer the question, do I really believe this to be so? When Jesus showed up at the death of Lazarus who'd been dead for four days and he didn't just ask one sister, he asked both sisters. I am the resurrection. I am the life. He that believeth in me shall never die. And he looked into the eyes of both of those girls and both of those sisters and said, Believest thou this? We have to look within our own heart and answer that question, do I really believe this to be so? Is it really and truly the absolute conviction of my own heart? Absent from the body, present with the Lord immediately immediately I like that I've asked many people over the years that very question folks who come to this altar folks who desire to be baptized folks who desire to join the church I realize that those things have their place, but the, the most important thing and the first thing is, are you saved? Are you a child of God? If when you leave this world, are you assured and believe that you will go to heaven to be with the Lord? Many, many times I've asked folks over the years that question. I want you to be baptized. Love to have you as a member, but you got to be a Christian first. And Christianity starts in a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we have to begin there. Let me close this up. That we continue to be a church that we continue to be folks believing, folks assured. I, I want to be able to come to a church that knows, not only knows, but are convinced and convicted that when you leave this world, you're going home to be with the Lord. That we are excited when we sing about heaven, that we are excited when a preacher preaches about heaven in our eternal home. Amen. I watched David Jeremiah this morning when I 
was preparing for church and stuff, and he's preaching on the millennium and preaching on that thousand year. And I thought, oh, my goodness, what a time that's going to be. Amen. Because Jesus is going to rule and reign for a thousand years. Amen. <laughs> you don't have to worry about whether he's Democrat or Republican. He for all people. Things will be made right then. You can rest assured it'll be made right then. And that thousand years, oh my goodness, thousand years, what a time that the world will be in perfect peace. It'll be like the garden was before sin entered. Amen. When Adam had dominion of all the animals, they did what he said. He spoke, they moved. Wouldn't that be good? You got a dog at home? Does it move when you speak? Well, it will one day. Amen. The Bible talks about perfect peace. I'm going to find me the biggest line I can find. Amen. I'm going to lay down with it. <laughs> what a time. The Bible does supply evidence, eyewitness evidence. I'm not going to have time to get to them all that I, I went through and listed. But, for example, the Old Testament psalmist David. You know, David wrote that 23rd Psalm, and my goodness, we've read that Psalm. Most of us could quote that Psalm by memory and not even have to look at it in Scripture. But many, many times that, that Psalm has been used to bring a great deal of comfort to our hearts. And for the majority of that Psalm, David is talking about the present life, this life, how to live in this life, how to exist in this life. When he says things like, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, he leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You see, that's present life. All of that is present life. With the Lord as our shepherd, as the Lord leads and guides and protects and provides us. And that's what all that psalm is about. And that psalm couldn't be more true, and it, it should be true and evident in your own life. For Donna, the Lord has been my shepherd. And with the Lord as my shepherd, I've never wanted for anything. I've been provided. I've been protected. I've been looked after. Thank the Lord. And surely goodness and mercy have followed me all the days of my life. 
But then the psalmist turns from the present life to eternal life. When he says in the conclusion, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. <laughs> you see, that's eternal. Do you think he believed that when he left this world, he would be present with the Lord? Do you believe that he felt that when his departure came, that as an Old Testament saint, before the birth and coming of Jesus, before the crucifixion of Jesus, before the resurrection of Jesus, you believe that that Old Testament saint believed that when he left this world, he would go and be present with the Lord. Well, he sure wrote about it if he didn't, didn't he? Amen. He sure wrote about it if he didn't. Let me close with the Mount of Transfiguration. You remember that sacred moment when Jesus carried James and Peter and John up on the mount away from the other disciples. And that glorious happening in the Mount of Transfiguration recorded for us in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 17 and verse 1. And it records the whole thing for us to the Lord being glorified and appearing in glorification. And then in verse 3 it says, And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias. Talking with him. Have conversation. He said, Preacher, what's so unusual about that? Well, they departed, they departed centuries ago. Amen. They've been long gone. Amen. And here they are. They no mistaken identity here. Amen. Here they are, Old Testament saints who have long departed from this tabernacle appearing on that mount with Jesus himself. Oh, you ought to be exploding, amen. You see, that's what's going to happen. Visible, identifiable unto those disciples who it was with the Lord in presence and having conversation. I'll get the Lord a hand, glory to God. I'm about to have a spell. Abraham was seen. Father Abraham, by the rich man that lifted his eyes in the torments of hell, and the Bible says that he saw Abraham afar off. Jesus had not died yet. Jesus had not been crucified yet. Jesus had not shed his blood yet. Jesus had not been buried and resurrected. But there he was, nonetheless. Abraham that old patriarch. 
that old saint that believed God, left family, left home, to go to a country he'd never seen, trusting and believing God. And now here he is, present with the Lord. As they come get invitational song ready, we bow our heads for a moment and bow our heads before the Lord. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful. I'm grateful. To be able to live in this walk of life with the reality of when this tabernacle is dissolved, I have a new house. Hallelujah! That when this tabernacle is dissolved, I have a new house not made with hands, a building of God that is eternal in the heavens. I'm staking everything I am on that promise, on that truth. Amen? That the very moment I breathe my last, I'm present with the Lord. Hallelujah. I want you to celebrate. Amen? I want my family to celebrate. Amen? It should be a celebrating time for every child of God if we truly believe what the Bible says. Amen? Hallelujah. Your mama, your daddy, your grandpa, your grandmother, brother, sister, perhaps even child, if they were believers, if they established their faith in Jesus Christ and personal relationship with Jesus, are present with the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I find it hard to mourn for that. Amen. I miss them. I miss them. But I find it hard to mourn for that because I'm convicted that that's the truth. They're just waiting for me. Amen. Woo, when I get there, we're going to have a time. Amen. I'm telling you, boys, we're going to have a time. Do you know that when you leave this world, you'll go to heaven? That's the only question I want to ask today. Do you know that when you leave this world and me or some other preacher stand and preach your funeral to your family, that you're present with the Lord? If not, Jesus stands ready to save you just like he has everybody else he ever saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're not assured of heaven, you can be, but the only way you can be is through Jesus Christ. Amen? No church can give that to you. No preacher can give that to you. Mom and daddy can't give that to you. Only Jesus can give that to you. I heard them preach this morning. 
And the Bible declares that one day there's coming such a day. The Bible says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. It might have been David. I think it was David Jeremiah. God has marked that one day you're going to bow. You may not in this life, but one day you will. Be too late then, but you will once for all confess with your own mouth Jesus is Lord because he's going to prove it. When he comes again, he's going to prove his lordship. And you either bow now or you bow later when it's too late. Amen?